Welcome to the first episode of the Blank Page Bonin Bios Edition. The Blank Page features creative nonfiction pieces written by students at Bow High School in Bow, New Hampshire. I'm your host, Crystal Bonin, English teacher. This hour, you'll hear stories that range from the hilarious to the traumatic, all written by students during the fall semester of introductory writing. Here's our first story. I was a witness to a deer that was decapitated. The clock read 12.30 a.m., and there was only one car on the dark, long, straight highway ahead of us. My mom and I were on our way home from my baseball game, a game that started at 10 p.m. at a field an hour from home. Despite the time, my mom was very much awake as she wanted to get us home as soon and as safe as possible. We were listening to the radio when all of a sudden my mom let out a scream. All within a second, a force shook the car and I witnessed a deer head, just the head, soar through the air across the front of the car. We had hit a deer, or actually, the deer had hit us. As mentioned earlier, we were the only car on a stretch of highway for about half a mile. But this deer, in particular, apparently wanted to commit suicide. There was so much open road for the deer to cross, but it somehow still managed to run into our car. It had ran straight into the front left side of the car, a direct impact on the driver's side headlight. It ran into us at an angle that neither my mom nor I could see until it was just about to strike the car. At this moment, it was too late to react to it. We were cruising at highway speeds, so my mom did not swerve nor brake hard in order to not roll the car. Instead, we plowed through the poor soul, and it literally exploded before us. This event happened four years ago, and some of the details are fuzzy, but the picture of solely the deer's head flying in front of me is as clear as day. My mom was freaking out after the accident, but she did not let it affect her driving. She slowly and safety guided the car off the highway into the nearest gas station to examine the damage. The left headlight was smashed and no longer worked. Half of the license plate holder was missing, and the grill of the car was bent in. Worst of all, the deer's blood and fur was still in the grill. Regardless of the damage and her current unstable condition, my mom was still able to safely bring us home. Even in times of extreme distress... Don't let your emotions affect your actions, or the situation could get worse. Austin Bodet is a senior at Bow High School. He plays hockey, baseball, and captains Bow High's very own math team. Follow him on Twitter, at ChillReads27, to stay updated on his latest blog posts. Dear Dad, every single time that I start to make macaroni and cheese, you always have to tell me how bad it is for me. I get that, but it makes me very heated every time you bring it up. It's good to treat yourself every once in a while. I should be able to eat as much macaroni and cheese as I want because it is my body and I know how to take care of myself. Mac and cheese is a very delicious and easy meal to make. I know that you say that it's so unhealthy and there are too many bad things in it that could be hurting my body, but if it's so bad for me, why would they make it such a popular food for little kids to eat and enjoy? It is my body anyways. It is such a quick and simple thing to make. Since we get the huge family size box, there are usually leftovers for the next day. I know you say that mac and cheese isn't even good the next day, but if you add a little milk to it, you've got it good. There are alternatives that I could eat to make you happier, like pasta because it is healthier and without the cheese, but still pretty easy. That isn't the same though. You don't get the same experience as you would with mac and cheese. 
Kraft makes macaroni and cheese very fun because it comes in a bunch of fun different shapes or special characters. But if you want to take away my happiness and excitement, go right ahead. Just know that I will probably hate you forever. It sounds like a four-year-old thing to say, and you will definitely call me a little kid, but it makes me very happy to know that I am eating Finding Dory mac and cheese. One solution to this argument would be to eat pasta with sauce instead of mac and cheese. The benefits of that would be that I would still be eating something very similar to mac and cheese, but it is the healthier alternative. That is definitely not the same. It would be an awful solution, only making one of us happy. Another terrible solution would be to stop eating mac and cheese forever, but that would absolutely suck. I would never get to t taste the deliciousness of mac and cheese again, but you would be happy because I'm not putting it into my body anymore. The final and best solution would be if I still ate mac and cheese, but less often. This solution would make both of us happy and benefit the both of us because then I'm not eating it as much, but I still get to eat mac and cheese occasionally. This solution would solve the constant argument and make both of us happy. Love, Maddie. Maddie McSweeney is a freshman at Bow High School who loves mac and cheese and whales. Follow her on Twitter at yeeyeelilhorse. I was a witness to a girl dying on a pool deck during one of the largest swim meets of the year. I had been sleeping because I had just raced and wasn't up for another two hours. Soon I was awoken to a mass of people emerging from the pool deck. I asked around to figure out what had happened. I could see horrified looks on everyone's face and that is the moment I knew that something bad was upon us. I looked over to the pool deck and saw a group of lifeguards and adults crowded around a girl. I was in the middle of asking what happened when I heard them shout that they had lost a pulse. I could hear muffled gasps and cries as I saw the lifeguards pull the AED out. A ridiculous amount of people were calling 911 and there is a moment of silence as they try to shock her back to a state of living three times. Everyone had a sense of relief as they announced that there was a faint pulse found. At this point, the view of the girl had been covered because of privacy issues. As we were sitting and worried, I could hear them call for the AED again. The only sounds heard through the bleachers were the cries of the girl's teammates. After they get got a pulse again, the EMTs rushed in and put her on the stretcher. At this point, she was awake and able to communicate, and as she was rolled out, she waved to all of us, and there was a wave of applause. Everyone sat down to try and calm themselves, and our coaches were called for an emergency meeting. My coach, John, came in and explained to us what happened. She was heading towards the wall and began to seize in the water. Two boys pulled her out and laid her on the pool deck, and that was when they lost a pulse and sent everyone up to the bleachers. That day, she tw died twice on the pool deck before being resuscitated back. A week later, we found out that she was alive and doing well. They had found an underlying heart problem, and she would soon be back in the pool. What I witnessed that day was one of the most horrifying scenes I had ever witnessed, and it will forever stay with me. Alyssa Parker is a senior at Bow High School who loves music and reading. Follow her on Twitter at the universe you and I. On October 26, 2016, an article was published by Travis M. Andrews in the New Hampshire Union Leader on a man who donated half his liver to a woman he had never met. This man had heard about a woman in need of half a liver, 
This man's name was Chris Dempsey, and the woman who had been diagnosed with stage 4 liver cancer was Heather Kruger. After the surgery, she lived and they both had figured out they had love for each other. Chris proposed and they got married in the beginning of October. The idea of a person I had never known giving me half their liver and then getting married after is surprising and weird to me. It makes me a little uncomfortable knowing that someone would donate half their liver to someone they didn't know, and then that person is using their liver to live. You wouldn't know who the heck is giving you this organ you need to survive and why the heck they were giving it to you. You wouldn't know if they had health issues or drug or alcohol problems in the past. Not knowing any background information on whoever is giving you a liver is disturbing to me, especially becoming engaged only a few months after the surgery and admitting their love for one another. Meeting this guy who had been willing to give up half of his liver and then proposing early is a little weird. Some people say that love at first sight is something that can happen, except saying they're in love only a few weeks into their relationship is bizarre. This situation is something that is very generous and is helping someone live. However, I am not sure if I would take a random person's liver or any organ. Through some quick research, I discovered some interesting facts about organ transplants. First, I discovered that one organ donor can save up to eight lives and give the recipient a second chance at life. In 2015, over 25,000 people received organs. I also found that the most common organ transplant is the kidney, and the least common organ transplant is the intestines. An organ transplant is considered a major surgery and carries major risks and drawbacks like organ rejection. In the U.S., there are seven different types of organ transplants that can be performed with surgery according to the United Network for Organ Sharing. Organ transplants include kidney, pancreas, liver, heart, lung, and intestine. Double transplants include kidney, pancreas, and heart, lung. After completing this research, I felt pretty lucky that I've known no one who has an organ transplant. I still think it's a little gross to donate a liver to a random person and the random person still not knowing if they had previous health, drug, or alcohol problems. I also still think it is pretty bizarre that a random person who donated their liver to someone can end up getting married to that person. I still cannot believe someone can marry someone they've only known for a short amount of time. In this situation, love at first sight seems pretty realistic, considering they've only known each other for a little bit. Courtney Evans is a freshman at Bow High School who likes to play soccer and basketball. Follow her on Twitter at ceblog44 to stay updated. Just a quick public service announcement. This is about my 16th time trying to read this, so if there are any mistakes, please just get over it. Thank you, and enjoy. Dear Pizza Hut, Pizza Hut is a place you see and hear about everywhere you go, but you also see and hear everywhere how truly awful it has become. They are always proclaiming how good their pizza is. Is that really the case? Back in the day, Pizza Hut was the real deal. If people wanted pizza, they knew where to go. Nowadays, it's an afterthought. It's as if they gave up trying to make their food taste good. It's such a sad story. A place that has such promise is now burning in the fiery pits of laziness. Let's first begin with the positives. And let me be quite frank for a moment. There really aren't a lot of positives. There are a couple of bright spots on the menu. The wings have a little bit of potential. The only reason is because they aren't pizza. Pizza Hut orders the wings, 
Then they just deep fry them. Honestly, since it's not homemade, Pizza Hut managed to avoid screwing them up. The breadsticks are actually pretty good. I'll usually just order a bunch of those. They always ask if I want marinara sauce, and I always politely decline. We'll get to that shortly. The only thing that keeps customers coming back are their deals. Two medium pizzas for $7? I'll take it. Overall, this place isn't very good. I tried my hardest to find some positives. When the best thing on your menu is a breadstick, you know there's a problem. Now for the negatives. Where to begin? Let's start with the buildings themselves. The walls are all brown, and the only lights are these little lamps that hang over the table. The booths are all squished next to each other, so you can always listen to the disturbing conversations happening right next to you. The booths themselves are always an adventure to sit at. If you're lucky, you might feel like you're sitting on something and pull a toenail out from under you. Every time I go, I always end up sitting next to an overworked mom and her 20 kids that like to stare over the booth right at you with pizza hanging out of their mouths. Speaking of pizza, it's time I talk about the pizza. Pizza Hut serves up hundreds of these L's every day. The cheese is always three inches thick and rock solid. It's always a little moist and makes the pizza all slimy. The sauce is a joke. It clearly comes from a jar, and it always has this weird, tangy flavor. I really don't know how to explain it. It's like sweet and sour sauce mixed with mayonnaise. Their pasta looks like somebody relieved themselves and vomited into a bowl of week-old lasagna that's been sitting in a trash can. I'll be honest, I've never really felt the need to try it. I mean, for God's sake, if you can't make something look good on a menu... You should just give up on it. Earlier, I spoke about the prices. They only had these deals because nobody wants to pay double figures for their foul pizza. I'll pay. Wait, I'm not paying at all. There's a Papa Gino's right down the street. The moral of the story is that Pizza Hut is grade A trash. Back in the day, I'm sure it was wonderful. But after years of serving the same things, it's time for a recipe change. Or, if you want to do something a little less drastic, you can close down every pizza hut in existence. I recommend that any hungry people steer clear of Pizza Hut. It is a revolting environment with equally preposterous food. Thank you and God bless. Sincerely, Most of America. Evan Alfano is a senior at Bow High School who is a member of the infamous Green Machines. He also likes to travel to communist nations. Follow him on Twitter at ReadDammitRead. Military Life by Allison Parkerson Having a parent in the military, you have to move a lot. Having to move as much as I have has put me in many situations where I've reacted differently than I thought. For the better. Each time people ask me if it's hard, I usually say, uh, I'm used to it. I think it will be just the same as the last one. I thought moving three times in four years would be incredibly hard and awful. It wasn't. Moving always seems harder than it is until you've done it. I've had to move all around the country and had many unforgettable experiences. Each time you have to pick up Start all over, pack all your things, and say goodbye to your friends. 
It's not easy making new friends and starting over at a new school all the time, but my family has always stuck together and been ready for any obstacle the military has thrown at us. I think that overall moving many times and having so many experiences has made me stronger and a better person. Moving eight times before I'm 18 has made me resilient and adaptable. I'm able to adapt to all different settings and people. Many times when I've moved and asked people how long they've lived where they have, they always say all their life. Some people I have met have never even been out of the state they were born in and have never had the cultural experiences I have. To me, this is so strange. I've never lived in the same house for more than four years. I don't have friends from one place and the person that's my friend now is definitely not the same person that went to preschool with me. I have accepted that my lifestyle is very different than most people's, but I'm proud of what my dad is and I'm thankful for the experience I've had because of it. Living in many different places has made me more diverse. I have seen many different cultures and societies. I've lived in small places and I have lived in big cities. Both are amazing. I'm glad I get to see so many people all around the country. Reacting optimistically is not how I thought I would react as I got older and continued to move and change high schools. I thought it would get worse, but I'm ready for anything that comes my way. Military life has taught me to be optimistic and ready for anything life throws at me. I think that military life has really prepared me for my future and taught me how to overcome difficulties you may not think you're ready for. Allison Parkerson is a senior at Bow High School who runs track and likes to read. Follow her at Read Every Day 18. Tablets versus textbooks. Tablets should be used in schools as opposed to textbooks. There's a lot of controversy over the subject tablets versus textbooks. I believe tablets are better than textbooks in schools because they are more efficient and more enjoyable to use. Although there are pros pertaining to tablets, there are a few cons that come along the way. Tablets cost a great deal more than textbooks, and some schools might have concerns about their affordability. Also, if a tablet were to crack, break, or crash, the student would have to pay for the damage. Tablets also need to be fully charged before the students use them. If a student did not charge their tablet, they wouldn't be able to do the assignments assigned in class. Tablets should be used in schools because they are very efficient. They hold a lot more information than textbooks and can get updated to have even more information. Students can get assignments from tablets, research information, type papers, contact teachers, and much more. Tablets have many different features and they make learning fun and easy. Another pro about tablets is they can save a great deal of paper, so it help cut back on the handouts. They're a lot easier to carry around and can hold an endless amount of textbooks, so students wouldn't have to carry around the textbook they have for each class. Although tablets have a few cons, schools should consider getting them because they are more efficient and students prefer tablets over textbooks. Lauren Gallier is a freshman at Bow High School who loves dogs. Follow her on Twitter at blog3483 to stay updated. The slimy, disgusting pile of garbage that is tofu has to be the worst thing on earth. I've tried tofu once, and that was enough. Never again will this horrendous creation disrespect my taste buds. A taste so foul and unnatural shouldn't be served at any restaurant that wants even a shred of respect, and any parent who serves this bile to their children should be arrested for child abuse. 
I'll get the so-called benefits of tofu out of the way first. It has been reported to be one of the healthiest foods on earth. This is your first clue that it's going to taste like compost. Tofu is a good source for protein, iron, and calcium. It is gluten-free, contains low calories, and no cholesterol. Supposedly, tofu even decreases the risk for obesity, diabetes, and heart disease. It can also be used in numerous food dishes that will later be thrown away. The taste of tofu. I don't even know where to begin. As you can probably imagine, when you bite into a food that so closely resembles a greasy block of styrofoam, it's not going to taste like grandma's cookies. In fact, it tastes more like the inside of a 20-year-old landfill. As for the smell, well, let's just say it makes my cat's litter box seem like a Yankee candle. It baffles me that anyone would willingly eat something that looks and tastes like a dirty sponge. Tofu is the kind of food that would even make someone suffering from agusia wretch in disgust at the putrid flavor. I can only imagine someone created this food as a cruel joke fueled by pure hatred. I would recommend tofu to anyone who wants to know what disappointment tastes like or simply enjoys the taste of moldy cardboard. Duncan Hall is a senior at Bow High School. This is a day when I surprise myself by acting so much calmer than I thought I would during a citywide evacuation. The Boston bombing was horrific and will never be forgotten. It was April 15, 2013, a great day for a field trip to Boston. We went there as a history trip because Boston has so much American history that took place there. The entire seventh grade was going, and it was so exciting because we got to choose our group of friends to be with for the day. We planned our whole day and what we were going to do weeks beforehand. We would go to Faneuil Hall and get pastries, eat lunch, see the marathon, and get souvenirs. We started the day off by going to the Holocaust Memorial, and on our way to eat, we saw some street performers doing flips and juggling bowling pins. We tried to go see the marathon, but there were so many people and it was so crowded that we didn't want to waste our time trying to get there. I remember the exact moment when we heard about it. I was just coming out of a church gift shop and walking down a shadowed street when our chaperone got a call. It was her oldest son who was home. He asked if we were anywhere near Boylston Street. She replied by saying, kind of, I guess. Why? He said, a bomb was just set off on Boylston Street at the marathon's finish line. We were not close enough to hear the bomb, but we were close enough to see all the people rushing past each other, not in a run, but more like a fast walk. No one was running, which really shocked me. I thought, a bomb just went off, why is nobody running? When our chaperone said the word bomb, my first thought was, please have this not be like 9-11, I don't want to die. We didn't instantly panic, but we did freak out because we weren't sure how big the bomb was, who was hurt, were there more, and was it terrorists? We saw another group of students from across the street who were from our school. We joined them and made our way to the emergency spot near a boat dock, which was where the school agreed to meet if anything happened. Everyone was looking for their friends and exchanging stories about what had just happened. Everyone's story was different. The spot was near televisions where we saw the damage of the bomb on the news and the casualties it caused. I still remember watching the TV and seeing the dust everywhere and body parts on the ground. It was so graphic I didn't want to watch, but I was too curious. Kids were freaking out because we didn't know if there were more bombs and if we were going to be hit. Of course, since the bomb went off, all the phone lines were shut down in case they activated it from a phone or mobile device so our parents couldn't reach us. The teachers and chaperones made sure everyone was there. 
Then we finally got on a boat to get us to a safer place across the river, away from downtown Boston. I felt so relieved. We wanted to get out of there as quick as we could. When we talked with every other group on the bus ride home, they all had their own stories about what they saw or heard. Some groups saw the bomb go off from a building up above. We got home around midnight because of all the security we had to go through to get out of Boston. This experience impacted me so much, not just that day, but in my everyday life. I get so nervous going into big popular cities. Even though I wasn't almost killed that day, I very well could have been. It showed me that there are good people in this world, but there are always bad ones too. We have to live our life while being aware of our surroundings and situations. This is a very good example of stranger danger. I didn't know how I wasn't losing my mind during a citywide evacuation. I was surprised that I man managed to maintain my calm while being in such a potentially dangerous area. Patty Nordeen is a junior at Bow High School that likes pasta, comedy movies, and cute dogs. Follow her on Twitter at Patty underscore Nordeen. Cage the Elephant is a modern alternative rock band that originally started in Bowling Green, Kentucky in 2006, and although most of their musical influence is noticed in the punk rock scene, it's clear that from certain songs, such as How Are You True, that an underlying tone of depression is present. The band members are lead singer and guitar Matthew Schultz, rhythm guitar and piano Brad Schultz, drums and percussions Jared Champion, and bass guitar and backup vocals Daniel Tikanor. Originally, all four band members worked low-paying jobs, including plumber, telemarketer, pet store clerk, and Lowe's employee in order of listed band members. However, they all committed to this band wholeheartedly and moved to England just before the release of their first album. The album titled simply, Cage the Elephant, immediately became a hit, and usage of songs such as Ain't No Rest for the Wicked found itself in popular video game titles such as Borderlands, which helped raise popularity for the small underground alternative rock band. Cage the Elephant later released album Thank You, Happy Birthday, which displayed the punk background Matt Schultz had, listening to the Pixies and Nirvana growing up. However, at the release of their next album, Melophobia, Cage the Elephant took on an entirely new style, which won them a Grammy nomination for Best Alternative Rock Band <clears throat> album of 2015. At the end of 2015, Cage the Elephant released another album, their latest to date, titled Tell Me I'm Pretty, produced by lead singer of the Black Keys, Dan Arbach. This album, considerably different in style to the previous albums, portrayed a sort of depressed side of Matt Schultz through his lyrical expressionism. <clears throat> Specifically, a song titled How Are You True touches basis on some of the depressive qualities Matt Schultz experiences. In an interview with Madison Vane from Entertainment Weekly, Matthew Schultz described the inspiration behind the melancholy qualities of the song. He explained that he had met a young guy on a plane named True, and how he had been going through some personal depressing things. Matthew said he most certainly saw sympathy for the young guy trying to make his way in the, way in the music industry. He also saw a bit of himself in True. The lyrics within the song certainly do portray a sort of melancholy lack of hope tone, with lines such as, And I try to find the will to carry on, wonder how much longer I can carry on, because these days they take so long, yes they do. It's clear that an overwhelming feeling of drowsiness and weariness is instilled. There's no motivating force for the person in the song, whether that be a reflection of Matt or of True. Even though the song carries a depressive tone for the present, a more hopeful future is hypothesized further with lyrics in the song, Soon the present will be the past, and you'll look back and laugh. Said rather simply, time moves on, and with time comes healing. It's clear that Matthew Schultz wasn't ever trying to indicate that things are okay now. He's merely saying to look forward to a brighter future and to hang in there. The ironic twist in this song is that it's almost like he's giving advice to the struggling person, true, yet in reality he sees a version of himself within the young kid. 
sarcastic hopelessness for Matt. For Matt himself isn't truly happy yet. Even his time has passed from where he was at the time in his point, the true is now. Ultimately, a large contribution to the tone of the songs comes from the music played as well. A slow, rhythmic percussion followed by a higher-pitched guitar and bass sort of insinuate hopelessness or despair. The entirety of the song carries a certain flow that alludes to positivity, but then drives back down towards a more, de more depressive tone. This flow of sound helps to create an element that seems rather hypocritical or cynical of positivity in general. However depressing the song may be, the cynical, sarcastic tone regarding happiness kind of creates an element of anger. It could be seen as more frustration than anger, but there's clearly something of rebellion within the instrumentals in the song. Overall, the general theme of the song is rather negative. There isn't a happy ending or positive turnaround, just kind of a cynical approach on how life is rather cruel. I wouldn't say that as a whole the band follows this mood as their sole inspiration, but I think inside Matthew Schultz there lies some sort of creeping depression that occasionally finds its way into his songwriting. If anything, I think this highlights his humaneness. Josh Reed is a senior at Bow High School with a lack of motivation and an interest in music and literature. Follow him on Twitter at ReedJD4 to learn more. My dear mama, over the last few weeks I have noticed that we keep arguing about how many gummy vitamins you take each day. I feel as though this is seriously affecting your health and that if you keep taking this many then you may get sick or worse. I think you should be taking less vitamins per day because the amount you are taking per day is very bad for your health. The bottle says only to take two a day if you are over the age of 18 and only one a day if under. Saying that you are going over the amount you are told to take would be an understatement. You are taking way too many and it specifically states that taking too many will cause illness, diarrhea, stomach aches, and lack of sleep. You may think you aren't taking enough for the vitamins to negatively affect you. Let me remind you that you finished half a bottle in three days, about 200 vitamins per bottle. I have also noticed that while you have been taking the vitamins, you have began to act out more and I'm starting to believe that this is affecting your mental state as well. I believe, even though this is not posted on the bottle, that if you take too many of these then you will die. I know that you think that what is only on the bottle is only the recommended amount and that you are, that you are supposed to take. I also imagine that you are going to argue that the vitamins boost your metabolism so that you don't get fat off of what you eat. I know that the vitamins help you, but taking more of them does not mean that they will have a more healthy effect on your body or mind like I assume you will argue to me. I suppose that instead of letting you eat however many vitamins you want, that instead I control your dosage and only give you two a day on the kitchen table in the morning when you wake up. I will be sure to remember, and I promise that I will not give you less than what you need. Or you could simply eat foods that have vitamins in them, such as carrots, avocados, broccoli, squash, and other fruits and vegetables. Another solution is that I could give up and let you continue taking the amount that you are now and wait for you to overcome this problem yourself. The benefit from this solution is that we will stop arguing. If you, uh, if you agree to either of my first two propositions, then I promise I will stop hiding the bottle from you and you can continue living your life as normal and a more healthy woman. Love your favorite and most honest son, Francois Le Partit III. James Colquitt is a senior at Bow High School who often lays down and contemplates the universe and our meaning on this planet. He also likes cute baby animals. Check out his Twitter at S-H-T-U-F-F-N-S-U-C-H. Kim R N. 
I was a witness to a woman in a white jacked-up Jeep guarding the breakdown lane during heavy traffic on I-93. There was an accident up ahead, and we had been sitting on the highway for about an hour already. It was 7 o'clock and still light out. A tow truck drove by in the breakdown lane, trying to get to the accident, and cars began to do the same. Eventually, the highway had morphed into three lanes instead of the normal two. Though this woman in the white Jeep seemed to be getting frustrated with this as she saw it as a way of cutting the traffic. When an opening appeared, she cut into the lane and had two of her tires in the breakdown lane and two in the lane she was previously in. Cars couldn't get by her as she had created a buffer to stop the flow of cars. Then a silver Prius came up behind her. The car tried to get by her, but she blocked its path. The Prius tried to go the other way around her, but she had the car blocked. The Prius sat back and waited a bit, but the Jeep wouldn't budge. She was planning on staying in between each lane for the duration of the ride. The woman driving the Prius was kind of laughing, but getting a little frustrated. She started doing maneuvers to juke out the Jeep, but the car-to-car coverage was like something you would see in an NFL game between a receiver and a cornerback. The woman eventually accepted she was not getting by and just waited for the traffic to clear. Traffic did clear when we drove by the accident. At this point, it was 8 o'clock and dark. We had gone about 10 miles in 2 hours. Once the movement of cars started again, we got ahead of the woman we called Kim RN, as this was her license plate. She had kept that up for an hour to keep people from cutting the traffic. Commit to what you want and don't stop until you get it. Jake Carter is a sophomore at Bow High School who likes to play baseball and basketball. Check out his Twitter at jcarterblogs10. New Hampshire isn't for everyone, but I think it's for me. It is one of the prettiest places in the country in the fall, with all the foliage and the crisp, cool air. The winter is gorgeous and perfect for skiing and any other snow activities. In the spring, it warms up quickly and we jump right into summer, with the temperatures rising back up to 90 degrees. Spring is perfect time for hiking all the mountains. The White Mountains are a mountain range that cover about a quarter of the state and go into western Maine. They include the tallest mountain in New England, Mount Washington. The summers are a blast. Anywhere in southern New Hampshire is extremely close to the coast on the Atlantic. Some of the best beaches are Hampton, Janice, and Wallace Sands. My family usually goes to Wallace. It is the least busy of the three. Hampton is the biggest, and on the other side of the beach is a huge tourist trip, filled with arcades, hotels, restaurants, stores, and so much more. This attracts mass amount of crowds that some people love and others hate. Jenis is a happy medium with a surf shop across from the beach, but it does get pretty busy there too. There are also lots of lakes, rivers, and waterfalls that are, all, that are also super fun. New Hampshire borders three states, Vermont, Maine, and Massachusetts, and has coastline. You can't ask for more. Some people don't like it. They think it's too cold in the winter, or even too hot in the summer, or even say the weather's too unpredictable. Some say there's nothing to do here. These people prefer to live in the city. Others might want to live somewhere more flat without as many mountains. All in all, I like New Hampshire very much. It is a safe place perfect for raising a family and has the best of every world for different seasons.
Emma Gagne is a sophomore at Bow High School who likes to play soccer, basketball, and lacrosse. Follow her on Twitter at NHWritingHS. Superman vs. Jesus Dear Matt, a few weeks ago in math we argued about who would win in a fight, Superman or Jesus. You think Jesus would win, but I think Superman would win. You should admit Superman would win because he has superior abilities to Jesus. Superman has super strength. That's his biggest ability. Jesus doesn't. Superman could punch Jesus so hard, his face wouldn't look like his face. If Jesus punched a normal person, it would do as much as an average punch, but to Superman, it's nothing at all. If Superman punched Jesus, Jesus would probably die. Jesus can die. Superman can't die. The only way for Superman to die is kryptonite, but where's Jesus going to find that? He can't. Superman, again, could kill anyone with a single punch or a single eye beam, and that's it. Jesus can be resurrected, but that still counts as a win for Superman. It's like a KO in fighting. A person gets knocked out, but they wake back up. After they wake up, the fight isn't back on. The other person won. This is the same with Jesus if he died at the hands of Superman. Your argument is that Jesus is the Son of God, can be resurrected, and can perform miracles. Jesus is the Son of God. He basically has God in his corner. If Jesus dies, he can just come back. Jesus can also perform miracles and his powers that can beat Superman. Jesus is the Son of God, but he isn't God. God is almighty and holds all the power in the universe, but Jesus doesn't. He can do some neat magic tricks, but nothing that can beat Superman. Jesus isn't going to say, watch me turn this water into wine, and it kills Superman. That's ludicrous. Superman will go, that's cool, boom, done, it's over. It is unknown how many times Jesus can be resurrected. Is it only once, like it is said? Is it 20 times? Is it an infinite number of times? Miracles also won't beat Superman. Jesus won't cure a guy of cancer and Superman kills over. Jesus, said it, Jesus is at a huge disadvantage. There are a few possible solutions to this argument. The first is that you admit you are wrong and you say that Superman would win. The next is that I admit I was wrong and I say Jesus would win. Another is that we could forget all about it and leave this argument unresolved and we'll never know the answer. The final solution is that we keep arguing about it and we don't resolve the issue at all. I think the best solution is that you admit you are wrong. Superman is the logical answer. Superman is far superior to Jesus and would win in a fight. Sincerely, your friend, Connor. Connor Gagan is a freshman at Bow High School who enjoys listening to music and watching TV. He has very limited achievements to talk about. Follow him on Twitter at NoQuarterBlog1. An Untimely and Horrific Death by Duke Beale I was a witness to the drowning of a piece of pizza. My family was at a cozy pizza parlor on a chilly fall afternoon a few years back. The leaves were the colors of the pepperoni and cheese that were loaded onto the pie that had just been delivered to our table by a kind waiter. We were all very hungry. Having just come out, the pizza was still painfully hot. No one in his right mind would put a slice in his mouth anytime soon, because that act would result in several hours and possibly days of, My tongue hurts. I can't taste anything. And, why did I challenge the heat of the pizza? At least seven minutes and fifteen seconds would be required to pass before the cheesy pepperoni-covered bread could be safely and comfortably consumed. Due to the force of hunger, that would test the, d 
the diner's patiences. My younger sister's self-restraint capabilities weren't sturdy enough for such a test. She reached for the piece of pizza nearest her and slid it onto her plate. She must have known it was scorching hot because she didn't even put her hand on the bottom of the slice in an attempt to make this maneuver as quick as possible. I could see her gears turning. She was trying to think of a way to speed up the cooling process and maybe get it down to under 4 minutes and 45 seconds. A new record. Then, her brain spit out an under-contemplated idea. She grabbed her cup of ice water and poured it onto her slice of pie. She made sure to cover the entire surface such that every square inch would be cooled. She was determined to make this work. Satisfied, she went to lift the cooled pizza to her mouth. It flopped and drooped and leaked water. That poor piece of pizza had been drowned. Refusing to eat the soggy slice, my sister ended up throwing away her entire plate. It is inexplainably unfortunate that it cost the life of a young and healthy piece of pie for her to learn that she could wait the extra two minutes and thirty seconds for the pizza to properly cool. Good things really do come to those who wait. But as for those who attempt to speed up the process, they still have to wait. They also end up killing innocent bystanders in their failed attempts. Duke Michael Beale is a senior at Bow High School. He captains the school math team and is the starting goalkeeper of the indoor soccer team that first put Bow on the map, the Green Machines. He one day hopes to create a pizza rights movement. Follow his Twitter at CoolTalk27. All stories in this episode of The Blank Page were written and recorded by students at Bow High School in Bow, New Hampshire. Theme music by Matthew Bonin. See you next time on The Blank Page.